Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm your host, Dan Dimite, and I'm joined today with my co-host and brother in Christ, Aaron Richards. How are you doing, Aaron? Hey, everybody. I'm doing well. And for those in our audience today, you may realize that Dan sounds a little distant. It's because, Dan, we are observing all of the norms of social distancing today, and you're recording from the comfort of your own home. Oh, yes. That's always fun and exciting. You know, it's interesting how social distancing is the new normal right now, and uh, the Lord calls us to deeper intimacy with Him during these times. (laughs) So you can social distance from your friends right now so you don't get coronavirus friends, but let's not social distance from Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. <laughs> My home happens to be here at the beautiful Damascus Media Studio, so um, I'll, I'll be coming at you uh, live in studio. And um, Dan, it's it's such a good day. We're so excited. So Dan, you and I work here at Damascus. Tell them a little bit about Damascus. Yeah, so just like uh, Jesus encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, this show is meant to uh, highlight the stories of people who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, but more importantly, what happens beyond that Damascus moment, right? That after St. Paul had his life-changing encounter on the road to Damascus, he was propelled onto mission, and he he went and he brought the gospel to the Gentile world. And today we want to share about being a light in the darkness and how we're called to shine like a light in the midst of a dark world. Uh, So Aaron, why don't you start our show off today with just a prayer? Yeah, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we love you. Um, We love you in the midst of challenging circumstances. Thank you, God, for your goodness. In times that are difficult, it's good for us to remind ourselves that you are good. It's good for us to remind ourselves that you love us, that you care for us, that you provide for us. Lord, you are our provider. You are our healer. Jesus, you are the one who is our all in all. You are our source and our summit. Jesus, today, convict our hearts that in the midst of times of darkness, we are called to be the light of the world. Um, God, give us that evangelistic zeal again. Yeah, Lord, I I pray that as you promise in Scripture that you do all things new, I pray you'd start doing new things in our families, that you would do new things in our hearts, new things in our lives, Lord, that you would not allow us to ever grow complacent, Lord, but you would allow this time of Mm -hmm. darkness to be a time and a season of newness, Lord. So I thank you for what you're about, Lord. I just pray that you would reveal new things to our hearts just during the show and uh, in our in our lives right now in this season, Lord, we pray this in Jesus's name. Amen. 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 Awesome, Amen. Aaron. This is I'm I'm excited for today's message because it's a it's a message of joy and hope and yeah. uh, and I think God has something powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, you know, Dan, you and I um, before working here as executive directors at Damascus, both of us worked in full time youth ministry, and um, to our listeners, Dan and I had. Uh, uh, an unspoken um, an unspoken rule that we kind of uh, allowed to guide all of our most effective ministry moments and that was that youth ministry uh, in youth ministry environments the best memories are made in the midst of natural disasters do you remember that one Dan oh yeah I love it <laughs> <laughs> you know whenever uh, 
you you think back to all of the moments that that really shine in the midst of our um, memories of youth ministry, and I, I remember one that was maybe maybe my my favorite memory from youth ministry. So we took an annual trip down to Cranks Creek, Kentucky, every year in the heart of Appalachia, and uh, it's around Christmas time and. The last, I don't know, most years we're down there, and the weather is like 50 and rainy. And on this particular occasion, we drove down to Cranks Creek in the midst of blizzard conditions. And, that we, you know, the snow was holding itself off for a while, and I actually took an advanced team of maybe 10 or 15 students down, and we had done all the preparations to make this place uh, a beautiful little home away from home. The Cranks Creek Survival Center was outfitted with all of our food and supplies. We had everything in the refrigerators. We had uh, we had soup warming on the stoves, ready for our main team to arrive. We had made the bedrooms. We had stoked the furnaces. Everything everything was just wonderful. And then, uh, uh, you know, moments before our main team was set to depart from Columbus to drive down to Kentucky, all of a sudden the snow started to fall. And it fell and fell and fell and didn't stop. And in the course of about half a day, we had, I don't know, 24 inches of snow down in Cranks. And, um, it, you know, we were dancing around uh, in the in the snowfall. We were climbing the mountainside and just celebrating God's glory. And then about 30 minutes before the main team was set to arrive, all of a sudden the power went out. And it, and it never came back for five days. <laughs> so all the stuff that we'd stored in the refrigerator and the freezer, we had to move out and store in the snow. And uh, thankfully, down in Cranks, we, we, we had coal-burning furnaces that we were able to uh, power by like a, a car inverter, uh, power inverter. But man, it was a wild, it was a wild weekend. We cooked every, every meal we had over a, over a, uh, a fire pit. And those 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 are the kind of memories that that make things exciting. So I don't know if it's too soon, listeners, to get excited about um, your self-imposed quarantines here during the midst of. And I guess for those who are listening for this one on repeat, hopefully now that the memory of the coronavirus is gone, um, remember the time when the world was upside down, and uh, and I hope maybe that for us. Um, in the midst of this, you know, disaster mentality that maybe we can make some great memories. Yeah, you know, I think the there's something profound about how even though things are difficult, there's uh, insane opportunity, you know, and I, I always say that crisis brings opportunity. And the opportunity right now that I'm seeing from so many families is things are on a, uh, a really uh, staggering pause, which allows for families to invest in one another in a way that maybe families haven't invested. Um, and, you know, kids aren't at activities and there's a time to really just be. And uh-huh. it's almost like an extended retreat season, right? Like sometimes you you go on retreats to get away from the world to get some quiet. And it's like the Lord's like, hey, the, the world is going to enter into a retreat right now yeah. um, where you're entering into a, a time of a Lenten season that's a fast and there's, a, there's things that you're sacrificing and giving up and there's hardship and there's difficulty. There's asceticism, but there's also the quiet of the desert. And yeah. um, I think that's a huge blessing. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm drawn to that common experience. I can think back to a number of times here at, 
Catholic youth summer camp during the summers when there's a there's a summer storm and um, for for whatever reason the the power's knocked out in the lodge and all of a sudden everybody kind of enters into this moment of holding their breath for for a time to see if the if the lights will return right and <laughs> yeah and sometimes when there's when there's a moment of extended blackout uh there's there's this there's this process where kind of everybody settles into a new normal and then there's almost a universal response when the lights come back on you know everybody in the environment regardless of temperament all of a sudden just at least in the places where i hang out there's this uproarious like applause and cheering when the lights return right the only i guess the only exception i i would make to that is when i was a student at st charles in high school right those those are the moments <laughs> where we start to cheer when the lights go off because <laughs> of it you have to get back to class <laughs> that's right um, <laughs> but it's almost like in the midst of darkness we're we're waiting with bated breath and uh and we're waiting for the for the light to return and as as we wait in the midst of darkness our our sensitivity and our expectation and our hunger for the light gets greater right and and we're seeing that right now even in in the midst of our in the midst of our catholic culture here in central ohio that you know a week ago our bishops made an announcement that we wouldn't have access here in central or in the state of ohio to the sacraments for the next you know 3 weeks until until after the celebration of easter and um, as this, this show will be airing a week, a week before Easter. Um, and in, in the midst of that process, we are, we're, we're kind of in this place where all of a sudden, even for those Catholics for whom sacramental participation was, um, something, you know, not necessarily desirable on a, on a daily or a weekly basis, it feels like, there's some void because there's something that I used to have access to that now has been taken from me. Right. Yeah. And it, it just creates this expectation and hunger, which is, I don't know. Uh, we've got a silver lining around every cloud here at Damascus. Yeah, no, it's just, it's wild. I think there's uh, <clears throat> this idea that, you know, God wants to restore our hunger for him in this season. And the, it's easy, you know, I've been telling people who are, are panicking because, oh, I, I can't get to Mass, I can't get to Mass. I'm like, you know, there's so many Catholics around the world that <laughs> um, because of the shortage of priests, they can't get to Mass yet, uh, but once a year or twice a year. And just the just being grateful for the fact that, man, we're so blessed and the priesthood is, a, is, a, is just a tremendous blessing. And yeah. um, if, it, if it isn't for God, um, just restoring holy vocations and calling up and raising up holy vocations. Yep. We, we may live in a, a season where our access to the blessed sacrament isn't as easy as it has been forever uh, for us as Americans. And I think there's just the call to, um, Hey, we need to really be intentional on encouraging people to seek holiness and to seek out God's will for their life and to, uh, to continue to pursue their vocation. Amen. So we pray God increase hunger in us during this time, especially. Um, Jesus, place a, place a greater hunger in our hearts for you, for the authentic you. And even if there's any place where we in our day-to-day routine have stepped out of powerful intimacy with you, that you'd increase that hunger during this time of uh, darkness.
Amen. Um, Amen. You know, we, we see this, Dan, and, uh, and you, you see, we are drawn to the light. We are people of the light. We're, we, are, we are an Easter people, right? And, uh, and we are, when we look at like ships that require a lighthouse to warn them of treacherous rocks and beacons to guide them to safety, without a light to guide it, a ship, um, a ship's lost. And without our light to guide us, we can be lost. And today, our, the theme of our show that we kind of want to speak about is the light. And uh, in the midst of um, darkness, right, you know, whether you're here in this show today, kind of in the midst of the time frame in which we're recording, or even if you're hearing this at, at, at some other point, that in the midst of darkness, we are called to be a people of the light. So we're going to be looking at two different scripture verses today that call us to be people of the light. And we're going to be speaking about how here at Damascus, we have been embracing sort of that call to new evangelization in the midst of a time of worldwide darkness, and how in the midst of our call as Christians to be those evangelists, those spirit-filled evangelists that are, that are courageous and unafraid, that we can embrace that Christian call uniquely during this time. So yeah, um, maybe before we break, Dan, I want to I want to talk about my three favorite things about light. Okay, go for it. You ready for that? So, uh, listeners, you may not know this about me, but I have a nerdy side of myself. When I was um, when I was in grade school, middle school, growing up, when I was a kid, my dad was one of the biggest influences, still is in my life. And my dad is a uh, is a physical engineer, uh, a mechanical engineer. And because of that, everything that I did, I was always taught to do uh, very critically and very uh, delicately, right? So I remember as a kid, I would, um, all of my, when I would receive a new toy, whether it was a set of Legos or even a remote control, you know, who's it or what's it, uh, my standard code of um, action was that I would play with it for a while and then I would disassemble it to see how it worked before reassembling it to see that it worked well, right? <laughs> and uh, I remember modifying my little Nerf guns and my and my water guns growing up. Um, it was it was just a joy, and uh, that 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 same curiosity kind of uh, stayed with me throughout my adult life. When I was in college at Ohio Dominican, I had a deep love for the Lord, and Dan and I, you and I, were working full time in youth ministry, so I. Uh, I, I had committed to studying theology because I wanted to be an awesome theologian and good at my job in the church. And then uh, I, I, after finishing my my theology commitments, I decided I wanted to uh, I wanted to double that up with chemistry, just because I was a like glutton for punishment. So, exactly, because who doesn't want to study theology and chemistry at the same time? <laughs> so graduated with <laughs> not a, me <laughs> graduated with a double major in theology and chemistry not that i'm not that i'm shouting about my achievements here but anyway that, it's just a little bit of my heart right that I, I i love to look at things in a in a couple different perspectives so when i think about the light i think about three different things all right number one in in scripture we see that the light was was the lord's first word right in in the in in the scriptures we see that in in Genesis the first time that God spoke what does he say he says let there be light it was his first word that he spoke 
and it's still light is still for us as human beings it's oftentimes the first thing that we think about right when you get out of bed in the morning the first thing you do is you turn on the light you grab your cell phone to shine the way or maybe you get out of bed because you've slept in the light has shone in light is the kind of the ultimate um standard measurement that we use often we use the speed of light we qualify the speed of light as the fastest thing that 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 we kind of measure all other things by that if something travels at the speed of light it's considered something that's very fast and very responsive god spoke first about he spoke first the light that jesus is the logos the word you know it makes sense to us that in scripture jesus says i am the light when the Father first spoke the word, let there be light. Oh, I don't know. That's kind, of a, that's kind of a cool reflection um, that I like to think about. The second thing uh, about the light that I, that I love is that light pierces the darkness, right? A lot of times we have this perspective that, uh, that the light and the dark are equally valuable opposites, right? That there's this yin-yang mentality that the light and the dark are balanced and and opposite <laughs> in nature, but but certainly you know that's not true, right? Uh, just just on a, on a technical observation, when you walk into a room with a light, regardless of how bright it is, every light lights up the room, right? Uh, you yeah. know the only the only thing that can stop it is stuff that stands in the way. You you walk into a room. I, I'm I was. I was making the observation on on our Damascus Live program the other night that when I when I walk through my dark house at night, I click the little light on my tiny little watch, and that that tiny light is enough to light my path, to light my way. We don't use candles very much anymore, but that was always the the age old observation that when you light a single candle or a single match in the middle of a dark space, that 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 single light pierces through the darkness. Um, so, so we need not fear the darkness because we are called to be people of the light. And then the last observation that I love to make about the light and Dan, why am I making these? Cause these will come back in the midst of our conversation later, right? That, um, when light and matter connect, when, when matter transforms into light, big stuff happens, okay? This happens in a couple different places. Most often we call them nuclear reactions, right? That when matter is transformed into energy, uh, major impact is about to take place. We see this in the sun when matter is, is transformed into energy, into light. We see this in uh, in nuclear reaction. Nuclear fission is when we transform matter into energy. And uh, Jesus says to us that we're called to be the light of the world. Not that we're called to shine the light of the world, but we're called to be light. And when we material beings become light in the way that God spoke light into existence, we too can take on that quality of having a tremendous power that releases when we realize who it is that we're called to be and we step into that life. So those are my those are my three uh, pseudo scientific observations about light, and those will kind of guide our conversation today. Um, Dan, are you ready to take a little a little short break? 
Yeah, let's take a break. Don't leave listeners because when we come back, we're going to really break down how we're called to be a light in the midst of the darkness and how God is calling you not just to shine as Aaron said, but to be the light. Amen. So you're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and we will be right back. Thanks for joining us. As a Catholic talk show host and speaker and author, I'm often asked, how should we pray? How do we pray? Really? It's up to you, and that's between you and the Lord. We have wonderful, wonderful formalized prayers in the Catholic faith, such as a rosary, the Lord's Prayer, novenas. But you can also just open up your heart and say, Lord, help, SOS. It's as simple as that. How you pray is really up to you. Ask the Lord how you should pray, and he'll answer you. Look to EWTN for inspiring Lenten programming. Can you go out of your way this Lent, maybe even today, to find a way to do some small kindness for someone you find difficult? Actually, fasting was an important part of American life a century and a half ago when the country was predominantly Protestant. Two or three times during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln put the whole country on a day of fast and abstinence. Lenten programs now through Holy Thursday on EWTN Radio and TV. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You know, Aaron, as you were sharing before the break on the light, I just can't help but think about our patron, St. Paul, and how he, uh, it wasn't like when he encountered the light, and this is, Jesus appeared to him as this blinding light that just kind of revealed the glory of God. Uh And St. Paul wasn't like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I saw the light. I'm so glad I have the light. I know the light, (laughs) me and Jesus. Um, but instead he became the light, right? That uh, St. Paul became the light of the world, just like Jesus challenged him to. Can you share just a little bit more about how yeah. Jesus not only appeared to Paul as the light, but he says that I am That's the light? such such a fitting introduction, Dan, almost as if we've planned it, right? Here we go. Oh, so yes. we, we got our, our, our two key scripture passages for today. We're talking about the light here in the midst of darkness, that we're called to be children of the light. And... Uh, there, there's two key scriptures that I want to break open for us today, and these will kind of be our guideposts for the rest of our time together, okay? Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Thank you, so, Jesus. <laughs> amen. So Jesus is the divine light which the darkness of sin and death could not overcome or understand. Remember, we talked about my favorite little observation. Point number two of the light is that the light pierces through the darkness. The darkness is not the enemy of the light. The light is the enemy of the darkness, right? The divine light, um, which the darkness of sin and death cannot overcome, that's Jesus. He's come to show us the way to the Father. Point number two, right? That Jesus lights the way to the Father for us, that he is the word of, the word of God, the logos. He's the lamp to our feet. He's the light to our path. That Jesus, he himself is the way to the Father. He lights the way to the Father. Like that, like that uh, lighthouse that, 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 that brings ships back in safe to harbor. That Jesus is the light in the midst yeah. of darkness. That when we're overcome by darkness, we look to him and we see him as the light, right? Well, and it's just so profound that he says, you know, whoever, whoever remains in me, whoever has me, you will not walk in darkness. And it's so as a Christian, 
we almost need a renewal of the mind to know that I'm not in darkness right now. Amen. I can't, I can't be in darkness because Amen. I have the light of the world with me and indwelling inside of me. And so uh, even though the world may be in darkness, I'm not in darkness. And I think that's something that maybe some people need to speak over their life more often where even if hardship is hitting you right now and you've lost your job or loved ones are sick or things look difficult and dreary, you can proclaim, I'm not in darkness right now because I have the light. <laughs> Let's do it, Dan. Okay, we're, we're going to say it together. I'm not in darkness because I have the light. Ready? One, two, three. I'm not in, I'm darkness, not in darkness because, because I, I have, have the, the light. light. Okay, listeners, let that be the declaration we make over our life today, that in the midst of what seems like darkness, we need to take a deep breath, and I don't know, it can maybe even help to close our eyes and just to envision that I walk in the light. I walk in the light of Christ. Okay? So if that scripture passage for us weren't incentive enough, Jesus goes and does what he always does, right? He says, you've heard it said this, but I say that, right? That Jesus, yep. Jesus invites us into an even, an even deeper understanding of this passage when he speaks to us in um, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 14. You know, you've heard of this in the, in the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's the, the comparison of us actually being called to be the salt and the light, okay? That we are made in the image and likeness of God. I like to say here at Damascus, if it's good enough for Jesus— it's good enough for me, right? If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And Jesus says he is the light, and then he turns right back around and he looks to us, and he says in John, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, a, a bushel basket. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is the light, and we are the light. Okay, I go back to that. Uh, I'll go back to that analogy that I shared earlier. That so many times in, in a time of blackout, right? In a time of darkness, what happens when we see the light return? We cheer. We applaud because we're so excited, because we're so hungry, because this new normal that we've walked into isn't something that we desire. But it's a, it's a lifestyle that we know that we're called to live for a time, but only in a time of anticipation. What if when we, Christian, walked into the room, we were the light, right? And when people saw and when people encountered the light, whether it be over the radio, whether it be over the internet, whether it be over the telephone uh, right now, that, that, that people would see us, would hear our voice, and would have an encounter of freedom, would have an encounter of light, right? That, that this is our call, mm-hmm. that, we should, that we should bring that moment of realizing God's goodness, of, of, of rejoicing, of, of cheering and applauding, because there's something different about the way that we carry ourselves. There's something different about the lifestyle that we're living that stands in the face of, of what this current time, what this current moment in our culture is calling us to embrace as identity. Amen. 
Yeah, I think everyone carries an atmosphere with them wherever they go, right? Yeah. And the question is, what kind of atmosphere, what kind of environment do you carry with you? Are Precisely, you carrying yeah. around uh, a complaining spirit, a negative spirit? Or are we bringing light, you know? And I think there's so much opportunity for us to bring light, to speak hope, to speak joy, to speak uh, God's provision, even in the midst of darkness. And um, and that doesn't mean you have to have complete clarity. You know, I think if, as to use your analogy, Aaron, if yeah. I'm holding a light and I'm walking through a dark night, you know, if I'm going through a dark path, I may not be able to see 20 feet in front of me, but I have the next step that I see in front of me. And so as, as I am the light and as I carry the light, I, I know that when I get 20 feet uh, ahead, I'm going to see the next step. And so there's hope for the future because yeah. every single step is being revealed to me as I walk with Jesus Christ, who is the light in the darkness, Amen. which is it's just such an awesome opportunity. You know, I, I love how Jesus, he says, when he calls us the light of the world, he says uh, uh, that we're the city on a hill and it can't be hidden, right? Yep. That um, And the idea of a hill it, it takes, you know, it takes some effort to get up a hill. It can't be like, <laughs> I can't just be the light by being lazy. <laughs> and I've got to actually work a little bit to get up the hill to let my light shine. Yeah. And, you know, I think there may be a time where uh, the evil one's trying to hide this, put this bushel basket over us. And, and the Lord's just saying, no, let my light shine, go up the hill. And, yeah. um, and that's, I think that's really the opportunity before us today that Amen. I've been saying in the, in the midst of this time that every crisis um, brings about an opportunity. And yeah. in this crisis, the question is, if, I, if we're going to be the light and we're going to be a, a shining light on a hill for all to see, then the question has to be, okay, what's the opportunity the Lord's asking me or us to step into at this time, you know, and for your family, what's the opportunity your family's being asked to step into at this time for your, for your work and your employees or, yep. or your, your, um, your, your parish community. What is, what is the opportunity the Lord's asking you to step into at this time? And, and I think in order to really understand the opportunity, we have to know the source of uh, of the light, right? Yep. That the Holy Spirit yep. will inspire us and uh, give us conviction for ideas and creativity in ways <laughs> that we never really thought. Uh, St. Paul, I'm sorry, uh, go John, ahead, Aaron, yeah, what were you going to say? John, I, I probably cut you off. John Paul II, when he called us to the new evangelization, it, 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 this would be a perfect time to reflect on those words. Remember that the new evangelization is called to be new in ardor, method, and expression. And if you if if you just open up your open up your internet browser right now, right? Take a look on YouTube or on Facebook, and you'll see evangelization, which is being embraced in in methodology, which is new, right? That's new in ardor and method and expression. That that we're we're, we're seeing worldwide at this moment that in the midst of a cultural darkness, that we are being called and and given opportunity even to express new modes of evangelization, to embrace new evangelization. Um, yeah, what, a, what a prophetic call that that, yeah. that, that that places on our life. 
Amen to that. And, you know, I, I don't think uh, I love that everything in this time, everything's going virtual well, and trying to get virtual to. masses <laughs> and virtual like teachings and yeah. virtual evangelization. And, and while that's probably not the ideal, no. right? Like evangelization is ultimately a superhuman experience yes. and it needs to, uh, to be incarnational as yep. well. So yep. you can't, we don't want to create a virtual church where that's all we have. No, no, <laughs> um, no. But, this isn't this isn't the way moving forward. Hopefully, this is a stopgap measure. But it's 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 good to see people reacting in a time of need to actually pushing themselves beyond what they thought they were capable of. Well, I think what's really neat is the hunger, right? Like, what if what if we Amen. as Catholics live with this hunger all the time? Like, yeah, we have priests now who are like um, doing everything they can to get the message out Amen. to the flock. Amen. Well, Praise like the Lord. we need to, we need to have that mentality at all times, yeah. like that it's not, and, and who are we reaching out to? You know, it's not, it's like, we can't just say, okay, I'm happy because I have people in the pews and I'm going to stop there. No way. Yeah. There's so many people and the lost sheep of Israel are hungry for the word of God and they don't know. We need to be a church that says, listen, I'm not going to be okay with just those who are in the pews, but I'm going to, as, as, St. John Paul II said, we need a new evangelization that's new in ardor and method and expression. Let's, yeah. let's rethink the way we reach the lost. And, yeah. and I just think of like the virtual world, right? Like when you think of an app, think about like the millions and millions and millions of people who are on Facebook and the reach, the potential reach you have there and the way that like we can actually as a church be so hungry, not just to be okay with the people who show up at our programs, but say, how can we do what we're doing and maximize the potential to yep. reach the loss? Yep. And I think that's really, you know, Aaron, what we've been doing at Damascus, God, when the, when this crisis hit, it hit us pretty hard um, because we ultimately, as, as a ministry <laughs> organization, were a retreat and summer camp organization. And we had um, tons of retreats lined up for the spring yep. And we had, you know, we, we would have uh, thousands of kids coming on retreat on our campus this spring. And yet all of that got canceled when schools and parish activities got canceled. And so yeah. we don't have, there was almost this void, this darkness, this emptiness on our campus of, well, what do we do? Our whole ministry model is now kind of um, in the, uh, just kind of on pause. And yeah. immediately the Lord just kind of spoke to us as a body of like, be a light, right? Be a light on a hill and shine and let the the, the glory that's in us um, reach as many people as possible. And God's just really been blessing us as a community to say, okay, we're not, we're not going to sit back. We're not going to stop, but we're going to really take what we do and give it to others as much as we can. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I think from well, that God's teaching yeah. us something. Yeah. So Dan, without, without jumping into a commercial for what we're doing at Damascus, um, I, I wonder this, this, so beyond Damascus is a show where we speak about the, uh, where encounter meets mission. And, um, I, I wonder if you could maybe today just in, in, in lieu of, of having uh, a testimony here to be interviewed on the show, um, if we could, if we could maybe just share some of the testimony that we're seeing come alive in this community in these last couple weeks, as we've seen encounter be transformed again into mission during this time of of, of trial, could you maybe speak to what you're seeing here in, in the midst of our community? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we do with our campers and our retreatants all the time is what we call prayer lab. And it's a time where we really teach young people how to hear God's voice while praying specifically through scripture. And so, uh, you know, for, for adults and young people, scriptures can be uh, sometimes uh, difficult to jump into initially because it, it seems like a, a, a uh, a task that's uh, insurmountable. Like, how yeah. do I read the Bible? Where do I start in the Bible? And we started prayer labs now virtually where we're just helping people dive into scripture and hear God's voice uh, speak to them through through scripture. And the testimonies I've been hearing are so neat of, of from um, youth and adults saying like, it's so encouraging to be able to hear the reflections of the missionaries, um, but also to really be able to learn how to dive deeper into my own prayer life. Um, And then at three o'clock we're doing worship and adoration and, um, and live streaming that. And I think what, what's neat is I, you know, I think we take for granted often how, how blessed we are to have worship constantly in our lives. (laughs) Like I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to live in a community where we worship constantly, Um, but not everyone has that kind of, um, access to joy-filled worship and intercession, joy-filled um, expression of prayer. And so um, just the, uh, specifically the mothers who have been reaching out to me saying they're just so built up and encouraged to be able to, to worship at their homes. And, um, but I think what I've been most excited about is, you know, for years as a community, we've been asking ourselves, how do we minister to families better? So we're ministering yep. to thousands of young people and, like I said, crisis brings opportunity. Yeah. And in the midst of this crisis, it, it got our brains, if you will, activated to think in a new way. And um, we, we've started something called Damascus Night Live, which is an hour, um, an hour program for families where they can pray together, talk together, have discussions together. <laughs> there's just humorous skits. There's a powerful message. There's worship. And it kind of has a feel of like a a late night show or uh, Saturday night live. And it's got this like fun, upbeat feel, but it's a, a neat way. And I've been doing this with my family since we've started just sitting down together as a family to actually with your children, have conversations about the faith uh, to be facilitated in a way where it's not awkward, but instead it's fun and it's good. It's goofy. It's joyful. And, um, and it's 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 easy uh, to start having those conversations together as yeah. a family, and I you know I think it's funny because as as someone who's been doing ministry for a long time, uh, I've been I've been thinking and thinking and thinking of like how do we reach families more effectively, and what is the need that families have, and how do you do family ministry um, in a way that's accessible to their life? And it was it really wasn't until this time of difficulty where I, we were able to see like there's a there's a light here that we can actually yeah. bring something new into the world that uh, in an effort of the new evangelization that is necessary and needed yeah amen so we can't we can't we can't talk about it without giving our listeners access to it so um, to check out just briefly our, our Damascus live programming um, you can join our Facebook page through Damascus. Catholic Mission Campus on Facebook or Catholic Youth Summer Camp on Facebook. You'll see the video archives if you're not catching our stuff live. And then also on our YouTube channel, just look up Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. Our YouTube name is Damascus. 
and you can join or subscribe to our channel there. One of the coolest things, Dan, that I saw that's happened in the last couple of weeks is initially, you know, as news was coming out here in Ohio from our governor about how it is that we were to respond to this crisis, our team was looking to you and I, uh, to our leadership, to be the ones who set the stage, right? The ones who made the next steps, the ones who decided what it is that we're doing. And... um the the uh, Pope Francis gave a reflection on this on this passage recently. He talked about how how what's key to understanding the scripture is knowing that salt doesn't flavor itself, right? Light doesn't illuminate itself. That Jesus's call for us to be light is is I mean it shouldn't come as a surprise to us, but it's a missionary call. So every one of us needs to needs to needs to step up needs to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and needs to realize that the responsibility is ours to be the light to the world right so what we've seen here at Damascus and I've just loved it is that we're 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 producing a, a tremendous amount of content at this point more than we ever produce online on a weekly or a daily basis um but you and I Dan are not the ones producing it right that our our leadership, our mission staff, are not the ones who are up here on camera every day, but it's it's the missionaries, it's the ones who have constantly looked to us for direction. Who, when given the call to say, "Hey, you were supposed to be leading small groups for the next two weeks, but now, because desperate times call for desperate measures, because there's an opportunity here, because in the midst of darkness." We are called to be the light in a new, in a unique way. That that you're the ones who get to put on the comedy routine for tonight's show. That you're the ones that get to direct this um, new feature. That you're the ones that get to to come up with the creative ideas that are going to be the ones that spark innovation in uh, in the midst of need. Right? That necessity is the mother of invention. And here at Damascus, Amen. we're seeing a, a people in a in a in a Catholic context and a Christian context that are, that are truly rising to that call. And it's, Oh, it's so cool to see. I, I love sitting back in my, in my desk uh, down at the office um, where I get to see every day, our teams as they, as they, you know, come by, as they, as they prepare the, the content that they've got um, planned for the particular show that they're, that they're working forward to, or the, you know, as as they sit and they and they and they pine over this skit or that skit or this drama or this talk, and it's just so good to see what the Lord's given us opportunity to do during this time. I'm I'm so thankful for the opportunity that God's giving us. Lord, I think you're hitting on a a beautiful call um, that the church needs right now, yeah. Aaron, and that is one where I don't simply say okay, Lord, what is the opportunity that you have for me? But Lord, how can I activate others in opportunity? How can and, I be the light? <laughs> and I feel like this is one of, yeah. Well, I feel like this is one of the areas of, of the church where we almost, um, I think when we're constantly uh, trying to figure out our own stuff, yeah. sometimes we forget that we need to raise people up. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times parish programs die because leadership was never passed on to the next 
uh, generation. Yeah. And it's not even like, okay, I've been doing this for 20 years. Now I'm going to pass it on. It's oh, like, that's good. no, how can I raise up people faster and faster and faster so that, um, and, <laughs> you know, this is my kids love doing this, right? When you, when you take a, a match and then you light another match from yeah. that match and then, you light another candle from that <laughs> candle. That's ultimately what it's about. That like, if, if I'm, if I'm a burning light and the Lord has already made me the light of the world, part of the question is not just, okay, Lord, how can I be light? But what are the other candles that I can yeah. start lighting right now? Because they've got all the potential <laughs> inside of them. It just hasn't been lit off yet. And yeah. the Holy Spirit dwells in all of our Catholic faithful, all of our Christian faithful. We need to be the activators who light that for them uh, through our leadership. And I think there's so much opportunity there that we just haven't tapped into yet as church Um and a lot of times I think it's because we're trying to raise ourselves up yeah. as opposed to trying to raise others up. Amen. Yeah. I was I was reflecting this week, Dan, and, and we'll 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 close out this uh we'll close out this segment. We'll take a break here in a minute. But um I was reflecting this week there were two really miraculous things that happened that equipped us for this time. And listeners, I would I would invite you to begin a conversation with the Lord today about what are the circumstances, God, that you've actually set up in my favor, that I might succeed in a time where others are tempted to fail, where I might excel, Lord, in a time where others are tempted to pull back, right? Um, two really cool things that happened here at Damascus or are happening here at Damascus that I, I just, I, I want to shout out to the Lord. I want to give him glory. I want to brag on his goodness because I think it's just awesome, right? So, Dan, we're right now out of Damascus. We're, we're producing live content about three hours a day, and it's stellar content: scriptural reflection, worship, and adoration, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, and then new and creative teachings and skits and songs and music and um, stuff. That if you and I were trying to create this, our brains would explode, right? We, we couldn't, we, we don't have the capacity to do this much stuff, okay? How are we able to do it here? <laughs> because God's built here at Damascus a unique Christian community that, yeah, when we closed our doors, we closed, um, just like everybody else in, in the United States of America, we are in, uh, we're, we're in, we're in, you know, social distancing mode, but our family happens to be a family of 46 missionaries, Right. Our family happens to be a family where we've got we've got in in our missionary households we've got these these uh, creative um, evangelistic minds that in their free time instead of watching Netflix they're engaging in how to effectively carry and communicate the gospel. It's just, I mean it's not even fair honestly. The odds are stacked so high in our favor. And uh, and the other cool thing that I was I was just so excited about it was just one of those blessings where the Lord. Uh, looked at us and said, "Hey, I got you covered, right?" And that's this. Uh, if, if you haven't seen it yet, which which most of our listeners haven't, uh, the Damascus Media Studio here at Damascus in Centerburg um, was was slated to be finished. I don't know, right around right around January first, and we ran a little late. But guess when our studio finally completed construction, complete with beautiful live video uh, capabilities and incredible live radio broadcast capabilities and a beautiful environment to be able to effectively communicate the gospel. It was the day that the governor told us, hey guys, it's time to stay home, right? 
And uh, it was like it was like the Lord had been preparing for months through the generosity of amazing supporters, through partnership with St. Gabriel, and uh, he had been preparing this place where he wanted to communicate his gospel. And guess what God saw coming that we didn't? He saw a timeline where we were going to need it, right? What was the rush to get this done? Well, there was no rush prior to two weeks ago, but— Man, it worked out so perfectly that the, the the day we were forced to close our doors was the day we were able to go live in an amazing, you know, high definition, high high definition audio and video uh, broadcast studio. It's it's just it's awesome. I love I love how the Lord takes care of us. Amen to that. You know, I just I've I've been reflecting the last few days of. Um, just what it must have been like in the early years yeah. with Mother Angelica and PWTA. <laughs> yeah, those are the kind the of memories that amazing that this, visionary spirit this calls out that she had. Right. Amen. Amen. And and yeah, and she just like I think she just showed leadership in the the early time of, of the new evangelization of like okay, like we're we're going to do something no one's done before at church. And people looked at her like she was crazy and a lunatic. And, and yet she brought about something that's impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of people worldwide. And, you know, I think the Lord is, he says, listen, behold, I make all things new. And he's got, he's got new plans for his church in these times. He's got new plans for your life listeners and for your ministries. And, whether you're full-time in ministry, whether you live in a missionary community, or whether you are <laughs> simply a layperson, yeah. God says, listen, I've got something for you. Like, I'll tell you what, what we need right now more than ever is for laymen and women to come up with creative and innovative ways to bring the gospel into the secular world. Amen. So I don't know, um, husbands, wives, men, women, as you're sitting at home waiting to get back to work, allow God to start a hunger inside of you and start asking the Lord, Lord, how can I evangelize in my workplace more? Because that is where the darkness dwells, is in the secular world. And we need to figure out new ways to get the gospel there. And God has placed you in that those environments and those arenas for a reason and for a purpose. And God wants to speak to you in this time of silence on how you can be a light in the darkness. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. Once again, you're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. And we'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. What do you do on Sundays? You go to church? No, I golf. Ever make a hole at one? No. Well, why don't you pray a little bit? Pray. Yeah, pray. Oh, why I need to pray? I could give you 50 reasons. <laughs> For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus. Once again, we're joining here uh, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. Today's show has been a show on being a light 
in the midst of darkness. And listeners, if you're joining us today um, in in the midst of still this time of sort of global uh, reaction to the coronavirus pandemic, um, that's that's sort of where we're at today. And we're reflecting on a lot of the good ways that God has called us to be a light, that God's equipped us as a Christian people to be a light, and that God's given us uh, uh, an evangelistic mandate to be the light. That as, as Pope Francis communicates to us, that light does not illuminate itself, that salt does not flavor itself, but that our call in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter five fourteen, that we are called to be the light of the world, that we are called to be a missionary people, that we're called to live a missionary call in our lives, and that we're called to encourage and equip and, um, and to uh, give confidence to others who would do the same, to, to give opportunity to others who would do the same. So, Dan, it's it's been a great show, man. This is uh, this has been a good and a and a timely reflection on on yeah, the current situation. I think I think one of the most important things that the Lord's just speaking to me right now is that the the only reason He can say that we are the light of the world is because He knows He's going to dwell inside of us. Yeah, and so it's not that I'm the light of the world by myself. It's that uh, Jesus has given us uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord, the giver of life, the, the Lord, the giver of light Amen. Uh, to illuminate in and through us. And, you know, St. Paul says that it's no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. And I, that is, that's the key, right? It, listeners, if you're feeling like, I just don't know how to respond, yeah. I don't know what to do. And I feel like that's the question we always wrestle with. It's, uh, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? How do I act? How do I act? How do I act? Yep. It's not, it's actually not something that you have to wrestle with so long as much as just it, it flows forth from intimacy. Yep. And the more you, you have intimacy with the light, the light just shines off of you and out of you and through you. And so I want to just close with prayer. Yeah. But in good. this season, it would be a renewed time of intimacy with the Lord, um, that we would know him in a way that we maybe have never known him. So let's just pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I just proclaim and profess that you are the light of the world. Yes, Lord. That you you are what the world needs right now and at every moment of every season. And Jesus, we're humbled and honored that we get to be in relationship with you. Amen. That you didn't just simply communicate to us from the heavens, or from some virtual reality, but that you became incarnate and dwelt among us. Yes, Lord. And you walked with us, Lord. And I'm just, Lord, I pray that we would have just more of a intimacy with you that we've never had before. Yes, Lord. And that we would all just grow deeper uh, with you and that your light would burn in us and, and, and shine through us. Yep. Lord, I pray for all of our listeners, for their families in this time that you would bless them, that you would bless them with abundance, with provision, and you would bless them with intimacy. And I pray the families would start praying together in a more intimate way with you and that they, that individuals would start hearing your voice more clearly and experiencing your presence more richly. Amen. God, bring healing to all those in need. We pray that you would bring peace instead of fear. And God, we pray that you would end this scourge of coronavirus on our world. Jesus, send your angels to conquer the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Um, you can check out Damascus Live on Facebook by looking up Damascus Catholic Mission Campus or on YouTube by looking up Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. Dan, it's been a joy. Thank you, listeners, for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time. God bless you.